The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Nice to be back on a Tuesday morning, and um, I don't think I've given a talk here for almost four, four or five months. So, um, and it was very nice, nice for me to to sit with you and kind of be quiet together, be be silent together in the, in this way. Um, it it does feel different to me to sit with others, you know, versus sitting alone. Um, and I was, I had a little, maybe it was an inner smile. I mean, when the thought came up that uh, if I were to describe in a way, one way, that over the last, you know, kind of almost 20 years of my own practice, how, how meditation has changed for me. And one of the things that I would say is um, something like, I'm much less ambitious, <laughs> you know. And um, I think we can sometimes have the idea that meditation practice is a way of changing ourselves, you know, or of changing our life or of improving our life or, or solving our problems. And um, I think there's, there's truth in that and there's wisdom in that. But, but maybe I would suggest that that's sort of half of the picture. And that um, the more we practice, the more we are willing to uh, simply be present for ourselves, be present for experience, be present for this body, be present for the mind in all the ways, the shapes, the colors, the thoughts, the impressions, the sounds, the memories, the, you know, just that willingness to be present for that, to let it all come and go. we can come to a perspective that the contents of our mind, the contents of our life, um, aren't something that need to be fixed, aren't something that are some problem that need to be solved, but rather it's like, just as they are, in, in, in their very ordinariness, they are a a kind of perfection, a kind of expression of perfection. So what does it mean to have uh, our our just ordinary mind, our mind as it is, our life as it is, rather than somehow um, getting it all right, you know, and whatever that means for each of us when X, Y, Z happens. You know, if you're really into meditation, it could be when... XYZ experience in meditation happens. But it's kind of like, you know, when I meet the right, the perfect partner or get the perfect job or um, 
you know, whatever it is. Um, so, so it's almost like the transformation that happens in practice is a transformation of perspective, of what is it to see our mind as it is, our life as it is, in a different way. And, and I would suggest that that's the nature of insight, that insight isn't about some big kaboom or something that all of a sudden, oh, wow, I'm a totally different person or my life is totally different or perfect or whatever. It's like more about seeing um, what's all already here, what's always been here in a different way. Um, I was, uh, I was, I was telling the story a little, a few weeks ago that this summer, um, usually in the summers I spend time in Japan because my wife is from Japan and, and my children, you know, we have cousins and they have cousins and speak Japanese and can go to the public school there and it's very, very nice. And um, so we were in Japan for about a month and um, a little bit of a kind of coincidence is that my children study the cello um, in a style of teaching or a method of teaching that comes from Japan called the Suzuki method. So you might have heard of the Suzuki method. And the cello teacher is here and she's not Japanese, although she did study in Japan, I think in the early 70s with Dr. Suzuki. And we a little bit kind of, I mean, I didn't know, I, I'm not, I don't play an instrument and I, I don't know much about music, but someone who is part of our community here, who's a professional musician, and he and I used to sit on retreats together with Gil. And at one point he said to me, um, there's this great cello teacher. And if you ever have children and if they ever want to play cello or something, so, okay, you know. And then, you know, years later I remembered that and I emailed him and I said, you, you recommended a teacher? He said, oh yeah, yeah, you know, get in touch with, with um, Barbara, a teacher. And so anyway, so she, she follows the Suzuki method. And um, one of the characteristics of the Suzuki method is the idea that, well, what, one of the ideas which I find very beautiful is that every child uh, can play. That it's not, it's not about kind of, you know, some kids have this great inner talent and you kind of just have to find those kids and really, you know, it's, it's this very beautiful, inclusive vision that every child has something to offer and every child can play. And but one of the Dr. Suzuki's ideas, I think, is from training the child's ear from a very young age. And because I think there's a certain window of time when a young child is said to have kind of perfect pitch, you know, they can really identify the, the notes, the sound. And so um, they don't teach reading music until quite a bit later. So it's really about learning by ear, playing by ear, and as part of that, um, the parents are asked to play the music that the child is learning a lot. You know, the idea is that you're going to learn this right by ear. And the way you learn it is by hearing it over and over and over and over again. So, you know, the teacher just said, yeah, just play it all the time. And so we play it, you know, at first we kind of the, play it a little bit and 
they kind of weren't that interested. But then something kind of shifted in the children, and they started to not only ask for us to play the music, but kind of demand it. They wanted it in the car. They wanted the music going to bed. They wanted it all the time. And it's lovely music, but it's very, you know, repetitive after a while. And they start with Twinkle. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. And, I mean, I've heard twinkle... It's in the thousands of times, I'm sure. You know, I don't know how many times. And there's a few variations, but the, the variation that starts with a... dun 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 the, it's, I think there's five twinkle variations and it ends with a twinkle theme which is dun, 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 dun. so you know we hear a lot of twinkle and but you know kind of fine and um, my older daughter she took lessons for about it took her probably I don't know maybe six months to be able to play the first twinkle uh, variation and part of it is that in the Suzuki style, it's not like you just go in and they give you the bow and the instrument. And it's like, okay, here you go. It's like, first you have to learn how to, or first, first you learn how to take the cello out of the case. And there's a whole lesson about taking it out and putting it back and taking it out and putting it back. <laughs> okay. And then you learn the parts of the cello this is the end pin. This is the bridge. These are the, and there's a song about this. And at first I thought, okay, you know, when are they going to start playing? You know, it's like paying for this, right? You know, but what I realized is that it's, it's a way of um, teaching a kind of respect for the instrument. And it's like, this is something to learn about, to understand, to care for. And it's this beautiful, you know, and it, it, it's ritualized. So when you go in and you put your instrument down, you put it down in a certain way and you open it in a certain way. And they have a sticker book and they always take their sticker book out because they get a sticker after every lesson and put it there. And then they take their chair and they put their, the strap that the cello is attached to under the leg of the chair. And so there's a kind of ritual to doing everything. And then before the lesson, this is a really important part, the student and teacher face each other and they bow to each other. And, and then the child says, um, please teach me. Would you please teach me? Some kind of variation of that. And then the teacher says, yes, I will, or I'd love to. Or, and it's this lovely, you know, it's this, it's this encounter. And it's not about like just getting to learn a technique like, oh, my kid's going to learn this technique and that's good for their brain and this and that. And it's like this way of life. And it's this way of, it's like cultivating the character of the child, of the person who's studying. And so you kind of bow, the child, student bows to the teacher. And then at the end of the lesson, so they have their lesson, at the end of the lesson, they stand up again and they bow. And the student says, thank you for teaching me. And the, and teaches my pleasure or something and they bow to each other and so we we go in you know sometimes when we go to the house where we have our lessons 
we're a little bit early and we see the previous lesson. And right now, the, the, the guy, the boy who's before us, I think he's probably like 16 or 17. And he's big. He's a big guy and big, strong. Plays baseball on the, high, you know, the local high school. And it's so sweet to see him bow to the teacher and say, thank you for my lesson. And she says, my pleasure. And then he, ha- he still has a sticker book, <laughs> which I kind of look at him and, you know, he kind of has a little smile on his face. And she's like, what kind of sticker? And he's like, squirrel. <laughs> you know, and he gets, <laughs> gets his squirrel and, or it was Memorial Day, I remember, and he got a little flag for the holiday. And it was very sweet. And so it's this, um, and I think about Dharma practice, meditation practice, is a little bit like this. It's not, you know, yes, there's a kind of technique. It's like, okay, we could say, um, I'm going to practice mindfulness of breathing and going to kind of be with the breath or I'm going to practice mindfulness of the body, this or that. And just in the same way that when we play music, you know, some children are on book one, some children are on book six, book seven. Um, uh, so yeah, there's a technique and there are, there's kind of results and you can kind of, but in a much deeper way, it's not so much about the technique, but it's about how we, how we show up, how we approach, how we can kind of bring this feeling of respect and reverence for the most simple, ordinary thing. How do I take care of my instrument? Do you put it down? My younger daughter would throw her bow down. Mama, <laughs> when, you, when you put your bow down, you put it down gently and you put it down and the bow is made of, you know, whatever it is, horse hair and all this stuff. This is how to take care of the bow. And now Momo has so, she, my young, she's five years old, but she has so much delight of taking her bow out and looking at it. She puts the rosin on it. She loves to put the rosin in. Yes. Okay, that's enough rosin. <laughs> um, all this powder everywhere. And... Um, so what is it to, when we approach our practice, to have a sense of reverence, a sense of respect, if we sit at home? Maybe, you know, it's one thing to just like, all right, pull out a chair and just sit down. All right, I've got five minutes. And, but it's another thing to um, have a space, have a space in our home that maybe, maybe we light a candle, maybe we have a cushion that's arranged in a nice way or a chair. And there's a kind of, you know, we, we, there's a ritual around it. And there's a sense of um, entering into another way of being that is um, about how, how I am, how I show up, how I bless each ordinary moment um, with, with this depth um, and so that's sort of the preamble to the story I wanted to tell is just when we were in Japan and we went to the Suzuki sort of um, the main temple of Suzuki <laughs> method, which is in the town of Matsumoto and they have a summer school. And it's quite amazing to have you know hundreds of children, mostly Japanese kids, um, all taking violin or cello or piano or whatever in their all there and um, we 
and my kids had a morning lesson. It was like a four or five days, and they had a lesson every morning for about two hours, which is quite a long t- time for a lesson. And and they were playing Twinkle, right? And they were learning Twinkle or practicing Twinkle. And, and the teacher was this wonderful. Um, he's the head of all of the Suzuki Cello School for for international. Japan and international. His name is Nak- Naka- Nakajima Sensei. And Nakajima Sensei was probably in his 70s, and he has this wonderful presence and smile, and, and he was just always laughing. And, you know, and I was kind of amazed that he's been doing this for 40 or 50 years, but he still has this enthusiasm for teaching little children how to play Twinkle. And so he was having them play, and he was said, he said, Play it like you're 70 years old. I mean, play it like you're seven, not like you're 70. You know, he was, you know, come on, get, put some life into it. And then he, and then he said, he, look, here's how you play. And then he got his cello and he started to play Twinkle. And it was like, oh my gosh, I have you know, this booming sound. And we're in this, you know, kind of small room in this music center. And he gets his cello out. And dun, 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 dun. You know, he starts it, and it was so moving to um, hear this song that I've heard hundreds of times, thousands of times. But when he played it, it was like I heard it for the first time. And it, it had so much life and so much joy, and the sound was so rich and so beautiful. And so he went through all the variations, dun, 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 dun. You know, he's smiling, and, and the kids are kind of sitting there, and um, I thought, this is like our practice, you know. This is like, no matter how many times we have been with the breath, you know, yeah, okay, the in-breath, the out-breath, another in-breath, another out-breath. It's like, you know, what is it to bring this quality of being, this quality of presence, this quality of attention? Like, this is... This is the first time that this has ever happened. This is the first time that this breath has ever arisen. And it was like that hearing, hearing his expression of twinkle. And it was so beautiful. And it had so much life to it. It was like, oh, I'm really hearing this for the first time. And it was almost like he read my mind because he stopped playing. And then he looked at the parents. Because the parents, in, in Suzuki, your parents stay in the lesson. You know, because bunch of different reasons but the parents are there and he looked at us and he said for us you know for for us for suzuki practitioners twinkle is everything you know we don't go beyond twinkle as as our as our as we as our practice gets deeper as our skill gets deeper our twinkle gets deeper our, our level goes up our twinkle goes up and it was like, oh, okay. And, and then in the afternoon, all the children are together. So all the cello children, cello students are together. Something like 150 kids. And they go through the songs, you know, they get more and more advanced. So fewer and fewer children are playing as they get, go through the, the music books. But then at the end, they play Twinkle. And then everybody plays together. And it's this amazing thing to hear 150 kids all playing together and the teachers are playing and the students are playing 
And it just has this like, it's this expression of something, of this kind of goodness and beauty and all of the learning and all of the hours of practice and all of the, 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 the qualities, the good qualities that are cultivated just come out and just manifest together and everybody's playing together. And so this sense of community and togetherness and, and I just thought this is just like Dharma practice. This is just like what we're doing. Um, and that's, and that's kind of the nature of insight to, to see in an, something ordinary, something, the most ordinary thing, but in a new way, in a way that it's like, oh, that it brings it to life. And so, um, you know, so sometimes in a little bit more in Zen practice or Mahayana, they talk about ordinary mind. Practice is about um, seeing the beauty, seeing the, the, the mystery, the depth, the, the specialness in the most ordinary thing. Um, when when um, I first came to our, you know, IMC community, it was in, uh, it was about 20 years ago in 1999. And this group used to meet in Palo Alto at the Quaker Friends Meeting House. And what, and I, I didn't know, you know, much about ordinary, you know, anything really about Buddhism. But my sense, my expression, my, my sense of the teacher, who's Gil at the time, was that um, there was something so ordinary about him. You know, he wasn't trying to sell anything. He wasn't trying to convince anyone of anything. He was, you know, pretty much the same as he is now. I mean, his hair was darker. And, um, and you know, but, but there was something so, um, so ordinary in the fact that he was just being himself but he seemed so at ease with himself and just to be himself and talk about whatever, share some stories, share some teaching. And I was coming from a world, you know, I had been in the academic world at Stanford and, you know, it's wonderful. There's a lot of goodness there and a lot of intelligence, Um, but also a lot of kind of striving, a lot of ambition, a lot of stress could be. And then I was, I was new sort of to the business world and I was in that world where giving a talk or a presentation or a meeting or something, you know, there was another dif- difference to it and like a kind of you to have a, have a certain agenda, if you want to sell someone something, you know, there's a certain, there's a different, different way of being. Or want to promote something or promote, if you're not promoting anything, at least you're promoting yourself, right? You know, and then it was like to meet this person who just seems so ordinary and was offering this practice that he wasn't promising anything great. It was like, just sit down, notice your breathing, notice your body, notice sounds, um, notice thinking, and just keep coming back to the present moment. And I remember walking in and 
everyone was quiet, of course, and I sat down and I kept thinking, when is it going to start? When is it going to start? You know, it's kind of, everyone had their eyes closed, so I kind of closed my eyes and then opened my eyes a little and everyone still has their eyes closed. And so when, at a certain point, I'm like, oh, it's already going. It's already started. <laughs> and I think there's something, and I think over and over, we need to have that insight again and again in our practice, in our life, when we think, when is my practice going to start? When, is I, when am I really going to get it? When is the teacher going to say something that really, you know, or when is my life going to somehow click into place in a way that everything's better, everything's right? And then we kind of remember, it's like, oh yeah, this is it. Where else would it be? It's not that I missed it. It's not that it's somehow wrong. It's that each moment is it. That um, uh, the only um, place to find what we're looking for, the only place where uh, the, the, the solutions to our problems are, is here, is in, is in our life, our mind as it is, our life as it is. And what is it to, to open to what's already here more and more and more? What does it take? What kind of effort does it take? What kind of trust and confidence? It takes a lot of trust to be willing to keep coming back and feel like, no, it's not out there. It's not in that person or in that book or in that. It's actually here. And you know, that willingness to keep showing up. Um, and so I think this is, this is a sort of insight that is not really a once and f- for all insight, but it's an insight that we keep coming back to, we keep remembering, and we let that grow, um, that each moment of our life is worth showing up for, is worth giving our whole being to. So it's not so much like the lesson. I thought the lesson, the cello lesson, was about learning a new song or a new section of a song. And I was like, oh, that's a good lesson because they learned a new song or they learned a new lesson of a song. But now I realize that the lesson begins as soon as, I mean, it really begins as soon as we remember. Oh, yeah, I, I do this. I have this practice. And to walk into the room, to take out the cello, to, to, to look at it, to hold it, to care for it, to set everything up, to bow to, you know, to our teacher. This is it. This is, it may, it may be much more valuable to learn to do this and to, to, to have that kind of patience, that kind of commitment to keep coming back than some to learn some song, to learn some random song. You know, it's nice, but who cares, really? It's like, what kind of person are we becoming? So in our practice, it's like, is the point of it to be with every breath? And then, okay, I was, I I counted um, 800 breaths in the sitting. And what do I get? Do I get a sticker? A squirrel? Or, (laughs) you know, and, or is it about, um, you know, what kind of person? do I become 
that I am willing to sit down for 30 minutes and be, be with myself in a compassionate way, in a kind way, in a, in a, in a, in a, um, in, in a way that embodies the qualities that I care about. And who knows what the payoff is? You know, maybe we do feel more calm and more um, ease and more peace. But it's not so much like we're doing it to get peaceful. It's where we've become the kind of person that this is what I do. I, this is how I meet myself. This is how I meet my life. And so when I was sitting here and I thought, yeah, no, I'm not that ambitious. And I was just, it, it very much felt to me like sitting here was metabolizing my life. It was like digesting something. And I was thinking like, wow, a lot's going on for me right now. And we got a puppy, we have a new puppy. And anyway, I could talk all about that, but it's like having a baby or something. You know, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of work. Waking up at night with a puppy and this and that. And there's a puppy and then, you know, just the, just the ups and downs of life and loved ones being sick and this and that and and so I, there was a way of being able to sit and it was like feeling the echoes the reverberations of all of the um, just conditions of my life and it's like oh this is so nice to be able to feel this, even though the feeling itself is not, you know, oh, worried about this person or thinking about this or have to do this. Or, but there was a way of like letting that concern, that worry, that thought sort of come up in awareness and be known, be seen, and then letting it, letting it disappear letting it end. And then, so it was, yeah, it it was a kind of like allowing what was already there to be just totally like played, like manifested, like a a song. And then the song ends and then there's silence and then there's some, some more music that comes up and then that ends. And, but it's like, yeah, the, a, a way of being with it that was felt profoundly respectful, profoundly um, kind. And even though I wasn't trying to change it, I wasn't trying to say, oh no, these thoughts should go away and I should just be, become calm. It was there was a calmness that was infused with, 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 the, with that, that, that thinking, those, those, that the content of the mind. So, um, yeah, and so being able, something about being able to value each moment of our sitting, each moment of our life, um, just as it is, and um, 
And th- this is where practice is. This is where the Dharma is. This each moment, this, this completely perfect expression of the Dharma. Um, I wanted to read something to close and This is from this wonderful uh, Japanese uh, monk uh, whose name was Uchiyama Roshi. And one of Uchiyama Roshi, one of the famous books that's translated by him is called Opening the Hand of Thought. But his practice was, um, was known for being he, he preferred not to teach very much. And so he, he, he would have this um, practice called sashin, which means like meditation retreat, sashin without toys. And so for him, that meant no chanting. And this is in a kind of monastic environment where they often do a lot of chanting. No chanting, um, no Dharma talks. I think... So I think there was basically just sitting and walking silently. And he would not, usually the teacher in, in the kind of Zen style, the teacher faces the students and the students face the wall. But he would turn around and face the wall. So he was just sitting with everybody. And so it was like this, this oh, kind of pure kind of you know, practice of just sitting together, just walking. Anyway, So he says, to fall in love is ecstasy, but marriage is everyday life. Everyday life has rainy days, windy days, and stormy days. So you can't always be happy. It's the same with practice. There are two kinds of meditation practice transmitted in Japan, he says. One understands practice as ecstasy and the other understands practice as everyday, ordinary life. Um, Of course we want ecstasy. (laughs) But, um, you know, and I think in a committed, dedicated practice, there are moments of ecstasy. There are moments of um, that seem truly special, truly extraordinary. But what we say is that the meaning of those moments is how um, they is like the impact that they have on our everyday life, our ordinary life. Um, so one of my teachers uses the example of if a person is addicted to alcohol, for example, and then they, ha- they have this great insight, you know, this really amazing moment, um, insight into the nature of self, of reality, of their drinking. Um, how, how, would we, how would we evaluate that insight? You know, well... One way of evaluating, well, what, what did it feel like? What was it like? What did you, you know? 
But I think most of us would say that the real value of the insight, the real meaning of it would be, how did it change my life thereafter? How did it change, you know, how did it affect my drinking? How did it affect my, how I am? And so, you know, and that's, that's the, the matter of everyday life. That's the matter of ordinary mind. That's the matter of each moment. So practice is like, um, You know, moment by moment, we're, we're, um, remembering. Moment by moment, we're returning. Moment by moment, we're allowing everything we know, everything we've developed, um, to, to manifest itself, to express itself. Um, so just like in the way it's a little bit, you know, you, you, it doesn't make much sense to say, I want to have the same emotion all the time. You know, I want to get to a place where I'm always happy, where I'm always peaceful. It's like, well, that's not the way life is. And in fact, for me, I mean, there's so much heartbreak and suffering in the world. It, I would feel a little, a little odd to be walking around beaming all the time, <laughs> you know, it was, you know, that doesn't appeal to me that much, but to be able to, um, come to a place of peace with the changing nature of emotions, the fact that sometimes we're sad, sometimes we're happy, sometimes life gives us, um, you know, something we love. And sometimes life gives us something that tastes pretty awful, you know. And to be willing to show up and meet it, whatever it is, that's our practice. And that's a very deep practice, a very mature practice, is to be able to show up and play our instrument, you know, whether it sounds good or bad today, whether it feels wonderful and magical or it feels like oh god again the breath again same talk again and again (laughs) um showing up for ourselves is is that trust that commitment that willingness to keep coming back is insight is 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 deep practice and it's such a gift to this world to be able to show up for others even when we may not, we may not want to, we may not feel like it, we may not want to hear what they have to say. We may not, um, but, but that, but that kind of commitment, like, um, puppies are on my mind because we have this puppy, but it's like, waking up in the middle of the night to go out and take the dog for a pee and poo break. You know, it's like, I, I, I can just feel myself wanting to stay in the warm bed and I, I hear her kind of tail whacking against the crate and it's like, Max, wake up, Max, wake up. And she doesn't bark, but it's just like, wake up. Okay, <laughs> get up, get the leash, go. Um, so, um, 
Yeah, so thank you for, for showing up here, for being, being together here. Thank you for um, all the ways that you show up in your life for yourself and for others and for this world. And don't, please don't underestimate the power of this very simple, ordinary, ordinary practice. You know, it's so ordinary that we miss it. We don't see it. Um, and um, but what a gift so thank you very much and if we have you know about 15 minutes or so but if anyone has a question, a comment um, please please feel free Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you mean the what is the DMP program about in general? Okay, so um, there is a um, oh, and you probably saw that on the schedule, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the offerings that we have here at IMC that it just started actually, it's like an eight month long program called. Deepening Meditation Practice, DMP. And it's taught by Diana Clark, Gil, and myself. And we meet once a month for like a day long. Then there's some study, some readings. And then as part of that, people who are in the program can meet with a teacher like occasionally. So uh, after this, I'm going to stay here and then people may come and just to talk about their practice, like in a group. So that's basically what it is. And um, if you haven't done, I mean, IMC has these kind of, there's the Eightfold Path Program and the Seven Factors of Awakening. So these are wonderful kind of almost year-long programs. And um, I'm happy to talk about them more. But you're, yeah, welcome to... And usually people start, I think, with the Eightfold Path. And then by now we have, I think, four of them. Four or five. There's Entering the Stream. And then this one, DMP. So, uh, So. Okay. Well, I, I guess we'll bow to each other. And I apologize, I don't have stickers to... <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice to have a sticker book and every time we come here we get a you know so thank you very much yeah.